0: Well, again, welcome, everybody. So glad that you're here. We're going to uh, jump right into the Word today. And again, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. Uh, This is week number three in our series called My Peace I Give to You. And uh, as I said, I believe this is very, very important and timely. Uh, You know, again, I don't have insight exactly into what is coming up. But as I shared with you, you know, it's interesting that on Wednesday nights, the Lord led me to do a series talking about understanding the times and seasons of the Lord, and, and basically what that is about is being in the perfect will of God. How many of you want to be in the perfect will of God? Well, if you haven't been able to join us on Wednesdays, go back and listen to those lessons. And then, you know, as I was praying about what to teach on on Sunday mornings, the Lord uh, instructed me to talk about peace and to minister peace so that God's people are at peace. I believe that is what God wants. And so, you know, I don't know if maybe something is coming where we need to not be caught off guard and then we need to be at peace about it. You know, if, if anything, life is like that. We need to be at peace with life in general and and uh, just, you know, not be anxious and worried. That's the whole point of what we're talking about. So if you came in and didn't receive a handout and you want to get one, just hold your hand up. We have a few of them in the back. If you need a pen and you want to jot some things down, uh, we, we can get you a pen as well. But let's read our foundation scripture for the series. It's found in John chapter 14 and verse 27. I'm reading from the Amplify Bible. And it says this, this is Jesus speaking. He said, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And as we've emphasized throughout this entire series, notice the the object or the subject of that particular statement is you or us. So we have a choice. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then the Amplified says, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. You know, I know that's a mouthful, but it's very, very important. And again, I appreciate how the Amplified expounds on it some. But again, I I want to emphasize that the choice is ours. Whether we live in worry and fear and dread and those types of things, uh, you don't have to live that way. And and matter of fact, just as a point that we've been talking about over the previous couple of weeks, and that is this, it, it is the will of God for God's people to live in the peace of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus gave it to you, so I don't know about you, but my mindset is this. If Jesus gave it to me, I want it. And if he gave it to me, he gave it to me on purpose, and so it must be his will, plan, and purpose for me to live in peace. And then we said last uh, week, and we emphasized this a little bit, and these are just points that we've covered in the previous weeks. They're not on your notes But we also said this, one of the the greatest enemies to your peace in Christ is going to be the enemy of worry. And you need to view worry as an enemy. You know, Jesus told us, do not worry. You know, and we've covered all of that from Matthew chapter 6. Paul tells us, and we'll see in just a moment, where he tells us, don't worry. And so if Jesus told us, don't worry, Paul told us, don't worry. And of course, they're all speaking by the Holy Spirit then it must not be God's will for us to live worried lives. And so God wants us to live free from worry because worry is an enemy to your peace. Worry is designed to steal peace from you. And so that's why we we don't want to live in worry. Now, I want to uh, read to you again. We've touched on this in all three parts or the previous two parts But in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and verse 8, in the Passion Translation, again, I'm still reviewing, it says this, verse 6 says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Anybody ever been in a situation or just a season in your life where you felt like you were pulled in a million different directions? Okay, you know, and sometimes we put ourselves in that situation because... Uh, we want to solve everybody's problems for them. But how many of you know you can't solve everybody's problems? The Lord told me a long time ago, when I early on in my pastoring uh, time, He said this, He said, you're not going to be able to be Jesus for everybody. And uh, even though my little Aubrey calls me Jesus, <laughs> I got to tell you all that. Uh, Ernestine's granddaughter, Aubrey, you know Aubrey, cute as a button. Uh, She's four years old, and she asked her grandmother, uh, she said, are we going to see uh, Jesus today? And she was talking about me, and I had to inform her, no, uh, I'm not him. (laughs) But I thought that was so sweet. But anyway, you can't be Jesus to all of your family members. You can't be Jesus to your children. Our job, and, and you know, as adults and leaders and parents, is to point people to Jesus so that He can be their Savior and their provider. So anyway, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing, and then jump down to verse 8 in that same chapter. Paul said this, So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic, real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, and holy, merciful, and kind, and fasten or attach your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. So what Paul is telling us in this portion of Scripture, in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, is this, and again, this is review, but it is our choice what we dwell on in our thinking. You have a choice as to what you allow your mind to dwell on. And worry is not in your flesh. Worry can manifest and show, show off in your flesh. But worry is something that happens in your soul, in your mind, your will, and your emotions. Anxiety is something that starts there. Now, again, those things can manifest in your flesh. How many of you know if you live a stress-filled life, you know, you run a high risk of Uh, you know, they have proven that those things contribute to heart disease and all kinds of illnesses that people face. But we don't have to live that way. And it is our choice what we dwell on in our thinking. Now, I'm going to make a statement to you. And uh, again, this summarizes what we've been talking about over the, the previous couple of weeks. And that is this. You and I cannot afford to be passive where your thought life is concerned. I'm going to say that again. You and I cannot afford to be passive where our thought life is concerned. In other words, you can't just let your mind focus on and think about and and worry and process and go over and over and over things that are that are taking your peace from you. You cannot afford not to be aggressive And deal with those things and stand guard over your mind. And what enters your mind, what you dwell on. And here's a reason why. Let me read this verse to you from Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Paul says this, now the mind of the flesh which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death. One translation says this, what you think about if it is thinking about the flesh will lead to death. Now, death doesn't necessarily mean your physical body ceasing to exist. How many of you know death can show up all kinds of ways? Okay, death can be poverty. Death can be the failure of a relationship. Death can be all kinds of things. And if your mind is geared towards the things of the flesh and don't think, uh, you know, lustful thoughts, those are bad. But really what Paul is saying is if your mind is focused on the natural only, then that will lead you down the path of death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. Now, um, well, I'll wait and I'll say that in just a minute. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. So when you think the way that the Holy Spirit wants you to think, that's going to produce life and peace now and throughout your eternal existence. Okay? Now, let's establish something. If you're taking notes, write this down, please. And that is this. You cannot control everything that's going on around you and bringing pressure into your life. I'm going to say that again. You cannot control everything that is going on around you and bringing pressure into your life. You know, there are going to be circumstances and things that happen in our lives that are beyond our control. Now, we don't need to be foolish and purposefully or, uh, you know, allow things to happen that could be stopped. But at the same time, you know, as I always say, life happens to all of us and there are just some things that happen that are beyond our control. So resolve that right now in your own thinking. Now on the flip side, the other side of that coin is this and write this down. You do, however, have control on how you respond to those outside pressures and whether those pressures are able to steal your peace. So you might not be able to control the circumstances that are unfolding in your life. But you do have control over how you respond to them. Okay. So <clears throat> let's, you know, just establish that in our thinking. Uh, remember it this way. Your response is your responsibility. Okay which is really what responsibility comes from. It's your ability to respond in a correct way. So you do have control over your response. Now, here's what I started to say a moment ago. And uh, I I want to just share this because this came to light as I was studying and I was listening to uh, some other uh, messages by some other ministers along this line But think about this with me, and I didn't put this in your notes, but but think about this for just a moment. Internal pressure in the form of worry, anxiety, fretfulness, and fear is a taste of what it's like to spend an eternity in hell. Now, the Bible teaches, and I'm going to show you a verse, but the Bible teaches that people that die apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ and separated from God and spend an eternity in hell um, will live throughout their eternal existence, worried, agitated, fretful, in fear. All of those things are not of God. They're not in heaven. And, And when you are destined to spend... In eternity, separated from God, that's what your eternal existence will be like. It's miserable. I want to ask you a question, and just to take a little poll here. Anybody ever had a season in your life where you've dealt with worry and anxiety and so forth and so on? I think we would all say yes. Well, have you ever had a season in your life where, where it seems like life is good and things are smooth and, and, and it's, you're at peace? Anybody experienced that? okay. Well, the contrast between the two, understand this, the worry, the anxiety, the the fear, the fretfulness, all of that is is your glimpse or taste of what hell is like. All right, now let me show you a verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. We, We looked at this verse when we were studying about the love of God. But 1 John 4:18 in the amplified bible says this there is no fear in love dread does not exist but full grown complete perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror you know somebody that goes to hell they they live in terror and fear all the time because it's without limits there For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. Okay, so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love has not yet grown into love's complete perfection. And as we've been establishing throughout this series, the root cause of, of worry and anxiety and just being stressed out is fear. Fear is at the root of all of it. Being afraid that uh, you know God's not going to come through or or maybe I won't be able to uh, pay that bill or I won't be able to have this relationship or you know just dealing with fear or something is going to happen to my family or you know I don't know how we're going to survive. All of that is rooted in fear and, and one, one translation of this verse says this fear has torment. Okay so we don't want to live in torment. It is not God's will for us to live in torment. Now, what God does, thank goodness, I started to include this verse in the, in the lesson today, but there's a scripture that says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, God wants you to experience him and his goodness and not have to taste of and experience even just for a glimpse what hell is like. The believer, that is not the plan of God for the believer. Amen? Can you say amen? Amen. All right, so now let me give you a couple of points talking about the peace of God just so you can understand this. So let's look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Paul writing said this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have, everybody say the next word. We have, we have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So verse two again says that you have peace with God. Say that, say I have peace. peace with God God. now it's one thing to have the peace of God but it's another thing to have peace with God okay now what does that mean you need to get it down into your heart and I'm talking to myself as well we need to get it down in our hearts I mean I'm talking about firmly rooted God is not angry with you he is at peace with you He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. Now, you know, there might be things in our lives that displease him, but through faith in what Jesus Christ did for us, God is at peace with us. Say that again. Say, I am at peace with God. Say, God is not mad at me, angry at me, frustrated with me about to put me out (laughs) kick me out of the house okay i think you get the point now here's why this is so important all right And, and write this down please we have peace with god and because of that we should walk in peace in every area of our lives now let me explain um Because of what Jesus did for me and you in in the sense that he, through his death, burial, and resurrection, provided the means for you and I to have peace with God. Can I say it to you this way, just to be very, very plain and kind of put it down on street level? If God is all right with you, then lump everything else. If you're good with God and God is good with you, then listen... There's no reason for you to be worried and fearful and fretful about anything else because you're at peace with God. Now, if if our Christian life was, you know, and I joke and I say this, uh, you know, often, but if we had to wake up every morning and go, ooh, I wonder what kind of mood God is in today. I wonder if he's a little put off with me today. Maybe because, you know, I messed up yesterday. I said something that I shouldn't have said to somebody or I did this or I did that and, you know, maybe God is upset with me. As long as that question mark is there, there's going to be a doorway for fear to be able to come into your life. But when you have it settled down on the inside of you, I am at peace with God, and God is at peace with me, then listen, there's no reason for you to fear or be worried about anything. Anybody just a little... Uh, pop quiz. Anybody done any uh, bird watching lately? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. Anybody been looking at some flowers? Okay. You know where, you know, listen, (laughs) remember what I said to you, if the birds are eating, so will you. If the flowers are blooming, you'll have clothes. Well, praise the Lord. I thought that might excite you a little more than that, all right? So, again, we have peace with God, and because of that, we should walk in peace in every area of our lives. So there's no reason for me to be worried and my mind to just be running on and on and on because why? I am right with God, and God is right with me. I'm at peace with God, and God is at peace with me. So as long as I know that, and, and by the way, Romans chapter 8 says, there is nothing that we can do or anything we encounter that can separate us from the love of God. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So as long as, as I am breathing the, and, and, you know, on this side of having received Christ as my Lord and Savior... As long as I am alive, I know God is for me. He's not against me. I can never mess up so bad that he'll stop loving me. Now, you know, I might damage my fellowship with him, but you know the way to fix that is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So all I have to do is say, Father... I messed up, I sinned, I confess it to you right now, and I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me. And you know what? From that moment forward, it's gone forever. Hallelujah. All right, so we have peace with God. Say that, say we have peace with God. Say I am at peace with God. All right, now let's look at the next little point that I want you to know. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. Paul wrote and he said this, "But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law." So Paul says that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, what the fruit of the Spirit is, now don't get this confused with the gifts of the Spirit. This is, these are the nine fruit of the Spirit, totally separated and a whole different thing from the nine gifts of the Spirit. But what God does is when we receive Christ and we are born again, the Spirit of God moves in on the inside of us and what he does is he begins to go to work in our lives to produce fruit. Now, fruit is, let me say this to you. Fruit is an outward manifestation, okay? So what, what, what God does, what the Spirit of God does is he goes to work in you to allow love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all of the fruit of the Spirit to begin to work up out of you and become an outward expression of your relationship with Jesus. Okay, now, let me say this to you. Fruit is never designed for your consumption. An apple tree does not eat its own apples. Did you know that? Okay. What are apples produced for? for? For an animal or for us to be able to partake of. So, fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is not designed for you to partake of that. The fruit of the Spirit is designed for somebody else to be able to come to your tree of life, if you will, and pluck that fruit from your life and be able to receive from it. So as you allow, well, let me say this to you. Anybody ever heard the scripture, work out your own salvation? Okay, that does not mean you have to do anything to secure your salvation. What Paul was saying was, is work outward what has happened on the inside of you. Work out your salvation. So what ought to be happening as I grow in my relationship with Jesus and my knowledge of the Word of God and walking with the Holy Spirit is there ought to be a manifestation of love in my life. There ought to be a manifestation of joy in my life. And there ought to be a manifestation of peace in my life. Now again, it's not something that we can produce. It's produced by the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Now, you have to give him permission to produce that. But let me give you an example. When the fruit of peace is being produced in my life, see, there's peace that I have that's for me. But then there's peace that I can produce that's for somebody else. And what that means is, you know, you are going through some stuff in your life and maybe a co-worker that you know, you kind of confide in or maybe you're close to. They know what you're experiencing and what's happening in your life, but they're watching you and they see something about you to where you're in the middle of these, these circumstances, but yet you're not worried, you're not fretful, you're not fearful, all of those things. And what that does is that ministers peace to them and lets them know that if they will invite Jesus, He will produce the same thing for them. That's how people uh, partake of the fruit of the Spirit. So again, you have peace. There's peace on the inside of us, peace that God gives us. But the fruit of the Spirit is something else, and and you know the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering, the kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And listen, I'm going to say this, all nine of these are not developed at equal levels. In other words, if you're strong in the, you know, in the peace area, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be strong in the long-suffering area. You know what the long-suffering area is? That's when those idiots, I mean, those people pull in front of you in traffic and, and you know, it, you get... you. you if you're like me, you're tempted to get upset and, and, you know, wonder where they got their driver's license at Kmart or what, you know, all of those types of things. Okay, so I might, you know, I might be strong in joy, but I need some more development where long suffering is concerned or faithfulness or gentleness or one of the other areas. But what I'm wanting you to see is all of these are grown and produced as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So write this down, please. Peace is a a fruit of the Spirit which He works in us so that we can manifest that in our lives for, and I'm going to add to for other people. For other people. It's for other people's consumption. Okay. So all the gifts of the Spirit are produced in our lives for other people. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, let's go on. I want to review again, and we've we've touched on this scripture many times in this series, but I want to go again to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and I'm going to read it from the New King James Version, and uh, let's look at this because I'm going to kind of do a line-by-line study because... There are five things that Paul tells us that we can do to facilitate peace in our lives. Is anybody interested? Thank you for those three or four people. Okay. Anybody else interested? All right. So let's look at this. Five things that Paul tells us to do. Let's read the scripture and then we'll break it down verse by verse. Paul said this, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Again, I will say, rejoice, let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. And then we've, this is where we've been picking up. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right, so let's look at this. What are the five things that Paul gives us so here we go. Here's the first one, and that's found in verse 4. Paul said this, rejoice in the Lord, and you already said always. Now, does, it, it, does always mean to you what it means to me? Does that mean every single time to you? Okay, all the time. All right, so rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, it must have been pretty important if Paul felt like he had to repeat himself in this letter. All right, so write this down. Number one, be a joyful person and let it come out of your mouth in the form of praise towards God. Okay, so the first thing that we need to do is we need to learn to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I want to say this to you. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy is spiritual, Happiness is emotional. Okay, big difference. Let, let me say it to you this way. Happiness is just for a moment. Joy is eternal. All right, so what am I saying to you? Okay, so what that means is when circumstances arise, we have a choice as to what to do at that moment. And Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. So, what that means is, in the middle of that situation, whatever those circumstances might be, we just, we're able to stop and take a moment to say, Lord, I don't understand everything that's happening, but I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you are my provider. I thank you that you're my healer, that you give me wisdom and direction. And and you spend time praising the Lord for the victory. Now, what, what happens is when you spend time lifting up that praise Something happens and arises from within your spirit, and that is called joy. Now, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, when you spend a moment praising God, spending time praising Him and and lifting Him up, then what happens is joy gets released into your spirit. And here's something that you can understand. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says this, Weeping may endure for a night, but, but comes when? What that tells me is, whatever is causing me to weep is temporary, but joy is coming. Now, I have a choice as to whether I allow it, okay? But the thing I want you to see is, that weeping endures for a night, but joy will come in the morning. I want to say this to you. Joy will always outlast your circumstances. It will outlast your trouble. It will outlast the sickness. It will outlast the pain. It will outlast anything that comes into your life that would have a temptation to cause you to become worried and fretful. That's why Paul said, you know, before, hey, listen, before we even get to this worry part, let's talk about you, you being filled with joy, okay? So you have a choice whether you, you walk in the joy of the Lord. Now, I want to say this to you, that, again, joy gets released when we praise And when we worship God, it is a a byproduct, if you will, of our praise and our worship. So when you stop and you begin to praise God for the victory, you open up the word and you begin to lift the word up to him and, and declaring to him all that he's promised to you. And, you know, you're saying, Father, I thank you that you're working on my behalf. Then that joy gets released into your spirit and it will become strength for you so that you are able to endure whatever it is that's coming against you. And then also, knowing again, as we said, that joy will always outlast your problem. Amen? All right, let's look at the next portion 5 8, the first part of verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. And, and you know, this might seem a little odd. You know that here Paul is talking about worry. Now, just in case, let me take a little side journey here for a second. Uh, Paul made note, and I don't remember exactly where it's found, but in one of his epistles, he said this, I deal with the care of the churches daily. It, 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 he said daily it has a tendency to come on me. So what Paul is telling us is this, um, he knows what worry is all about. Now you got to understand this. This was a man of God that traveled all throughout the known world at the time, which was all throughout Middle Asia, which is you know now modern Turkey and all of that. He he traveled through the southern parts of Europe, uh, Italy, and and all those parts, establishing churches all throughout those parts of the country. And so you know, and again, he didn't have email. They didn't have You know, FaceTime, they didn't have all of those types of things. And so as Paul would journey on, he would go to a city, establish a church, stay there for a couple of years. I know at Ephesus he stayed for three years until things got established. And then the Lord would move him on to establish a church in another place. And so what happened, what he was saying is, is that the worry and anxiety of what was going on in those churches He carried that daily, or it had an opportunity rather to come upon him daily. And so Paul was experienced in dealing with worry. So that's why he, you know, of course, by the Spirit of God, wrote these verses on how to deal with these things and maintain peace in his life. I couldn't imagine what it would be like, you know, pastoring or leading several churches and knowing. Okay, and you can read in the scripture where he talks about this, where there were people that would come in right after he would leave and try and cause problems in the church. Stir people up, start teaching them false doctrine. Do all this kind of thing. And the thing was so new. You, by the way, you know they, they didn't have this. They were living this. They couldn't open up and say Colossians. No, it, they were living Colossians. None of that had been written down yet. So, you know, the people were uh, not able to maybe grow and develop as as fast and quickly as you and I can because they didn't have the resource. So Paul dealt with this all the time. So, you know, the first thing he says is, is rejoice in the Lord always. So what that tells me is Paul learned how to rejoice and to lift up praise to God when he knew it was beyond his control of what he could do at the moment in those situations. And so then after he says that, he said this and sandwiched this in. So this is really odd. Let your gentleness be known to all men. You can um, That's really not a good translation in the King James or the New King James. Let's look at it in the Amplified and it'll explain it to you. He said this, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfish, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. What is Paul saying to us? A big key or a big fuel to your worry is selfishness. Most of the time, you know who you're worried about? You. Most of the time. Large, large portion of your time. So what Paul says is, make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side. That's the the message Bible. So I'll give that to you in just a second. Let me reread the Amplified. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness. So if you want control over worry and want to maintain peace in your life, deal with selfishness. Understand this. Life is not all about you. Turn to somebody close by and say, it's not about you. Okay. And it's not about me. Okay. All right. So, again, now let me read, uh, well, write this down, please we need to set aside our selfishness and be considerate of other people. I'll tell you how to deal with worry about yourself is get concerned with other people's needs. Okay? All right, now here's the message translation of that verse that I wanted to read to you. Philippians 4, 5 in the message says this, make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any moment. Now, that also is not a real good translation of that latter part of that verse. I'll talk, talk about that in just a, just a second. But, but I believe one of the keys as to why Jesus was able to maintain peace throughout his ministry and his time on the earth was the fact that he made it clear. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So if you want to maintain peace, you're going to have to learn how to put yourself aside and serve and be focused on the needs of the people. Now I want to, let's look at the latter part of verse 5 where he said, the Lord is at hand, the Lord is close by. This actually is not a reference to the soon coming arrival of the Lord, as as some translations would imply, what Paul was saying to them is live your life as though Jesus has never left you or forsaken you. He is close at hand, the scripture says. So write this down, live always knowing that Jesus sees everything that you are saying and doing. He is a part of your life. He is right there with you. In every situation. So, what, what, and the reason those two are tied together is that as we live our lives, okay, and, and listen, I know this is none of us in here, so this is about the people out there, all right? But uh, anybody ever seen anybody be nice to someone with an impure motive? Okay. In other words, I'm going to be good to you because you have something I want or I need, and so I'm trying to get that from you. In other words, you know, in the business world, we call it, uh, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. Okay. What, Jesus, what, what Paul is saying is don't let that be your, your, your motivation because Jesus sees what's going on in here, what's in your heart. Are you really wanting to help other people and be a blessing and serve them? then that's the way you need to live. Bottom line is, think of others more highly than you think of yourself. Well, I can tell this just that one just thrilled you to no end, okay? So the Lord is at hand. So let's go on. Here's verse number 6. Be anxious for nothing. So bottom line and this is what we've been talking about all throughout this series is don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. So, if the Lord says, don't worry about anything, does He mean it? Okay? Because Jesus said it and Paul said it. All right? So, what is the basis? How How can I live in this with a confidence knowing God has always taken care of me and God always will take care of me? He is faithful. In other words, can I say this to you? You can depend on him. He has never let us down one time. Now, I failed him many times, but not once has he ever failed me. He's got a perfect track record. So based on that, I don't have to worry about anything. All right, so let's go on. 6B, the latter part of verse 6. He says, in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So number five is this. Pray about every situation. Pray about every situation. Now what does that mean? Um, When you are praying about every situation, you're acknowledging to God, listen God, um, I'm not big enough to handle any of it. Here's what we have a tendency to do. I'm just going to say, maybe I'm just going to talk about myself. I won't talk about you guys. Um, but what I have a tendency to do is uh, I'll let him handle the big things. I can, I, I can deal with the small stuff. Okay? And that's not the way he wants us to live. He wants to handle all of it. So, and again, you know, you need to pray in faith, believing God. So not just rambling on about your problems. But when you pray, pray about every situation. Get God involved in every situation in your life. If you're going through something at work, get God involved in it. If you're going through something with your family, get God involved in it. Because here's the thing you need to understand about the Lord. He is a perfect gentleman. He will not barge into your life and to areas of your life that he is not invited So you must ask him to get him involved in those areas of your life. So what can I pray about? Well, pray for wisdom and direction. James chapter 1 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. Lord, I don't know what to do about this situation, but I know you do. And so I'm asking you for wisdom right now. Give me wisdom as far as what is the right thing to do in this situation. How do I handle this, Lord? How do, I, how do I deal with this? Now, I, I um, want to just tell you these, these two points and that, this, the, to go with that. And that is this. Prayer releases the power of God into your situation. Again, God does not pour out His power where it's uninvited. So if you want God to step in with His supernatural ability into that situation you're going to have to lift that up before him and give him permission to step into that. And then prayer releases the power and authority of the name of Jesus. And by the way, the Bible says that uh, every knee will bow. Every name that is named is subject to the name of Jesus, okay? So prayer releases the power of God, prayer Releases the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, let's look at the promise. What's the promise? Verse 7 is the promise. So I want to I go to verse 7, and I want to rephrase or reframe the, the, the promise that God gave us. And so Paul says, when you do these five things, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, anybody um, ever maybe been in person to Arlington National Cemetery and seen the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier where the army uh, has posted guards there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, rain or shine, doesn't matter what the weather is, and they guard that tomb I mean, vigilantly. I mean, they are on top of it so much so. And there's videos on YouTube that you can watch where, where this has happened. Where, uh, and also, there are signs posted there. And there's a you know, little place where people can come and they can stand and they can watch the, the guard you know, go through his pro- procession. Also, you can watch the changing of the guard and so forth. But there are signs there that tell you, you know, to be quiet, be reverent, uh, and honor what is happening there and, and inevitably there's some knucklehead that will show up and start laughing and talking and all this kind of stuff and I have seen on these videos the guards will stop what they are doing point their weapon and say uh, we demand quiet and respect at all times I've also seen it where you know and they have it roped off where you're not supposed to come up beyond a certain point and some idiot will come up you know, and cross through that barrier. I've seen them point the weapon and say, you know, we request that you stay beyond and behind the the ropes at all times and so forth and so on. My point in saying all of that is this, is that what Paul has said is that when you do these things and you allow the peace of God to move in your life, the peace of God will become like those soldiers standing guard over your heart and your mind in Christ, Not letting anybody get out of line, not letting anybody monkey around, do whatever, you know, and, and keep guard over that. Let me read it to you out of the easy to read version. You know why this is called the easy to read version? It, y'all are so smart. Here we go. Philippians 4, 7 in the easy to read version. And because you belong to Christ Jesus, God's peace is will stand guard over all your thoughts and feelings. His peace can do this far better than our human minds. Okay? And then I want to read it from the Passion Translation and and understand this. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. This is very interesting to me Because I will tell you this from experience and I'm I'm sure I could support it with scripture and to say this, that if your mind is filled with worry and anxiety and fear and you're fretting and you're upset, you are not going to be able to receive direction, insight, revelation and wisdom from the Spirit of God. You're going to have to quiet yourself down, quiet your mind so that you can hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say to you. You remember in the episode with Elijah after, we, we touched on this almost last week, talking about Elijah after he, he won the triumph over the prophets of Baal and so forth and so on. And you remember he hid in the cave and uh, the the Lord, you know, uh, there was an earthquake and 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 then there was a fire that fell and the rock shook and all this type of stuff. And you remember In all of those different circumstances, all of that noise, if you will, the Bible says God was in none of that. But when everything got quiet, Elijah heard the Lord and it was a still, small voice. Meaning, not boisterous and loud, but it was when everything got quiet, that's when Elijah was able to hear from heaven. And I'm going to submit to you the same thing is true. You're going to have to let the peace of God become a guard over your heart and mind, and you're going to have to quiet yourself so that you can hear from heaven. And I'm going to say this. God will not yell above the noise in your life. And and, and I'm talking about literal noise and figurative noise, meaning, okay, if, if all you're listening to Are voices that are loud. You know, there's a lot of loud voices out there. Okay? Telling you all kinds of stuff. And as long as you've got the volume up and that is able to speak into your environment, you're gonna have a different, difficult time hearing from the Lord. Sometimes you're gonna have to quiet that down. You know, some of the times in my own life when I've needed to hear from heaven, I had to do some things, I had to take some drastic steps. Like fast television. Oh, I'll talk to these people up here about that then. Fast social media. Okay? In other words, cut off all of the distraction, all of the noise. So think, and, and usually after I do that, you, you know, it's funny, but we go through some uh, detox, some withdrawals. You ever notice that? You know, because there's a thing, uh, a new thing, a new psychological phenomenon that's come up since social media came out called FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Oh, somebody might have posted it on social media and I might need to see it. Or, or you know, and so we, we, and we almost get fidgety and anxious because we're, we're, we're not looking at those things or, or, or so forth and so on. Or I might be missing what's going on on TV, you know, my favorite program on TV, and and, and I might be missing out. And so what that does is that begins to rob you of being able to hear from heaven. Now, I'm not against television. I'm not against social media. But sometimes you're going to have to quiet that noise so you can hear what the Lord wants to say to you. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.